When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rocket Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie. And this is Before the Box Score, fresh off of a bye week, heading into conference play against the worst SEC team in the world. Welcome back to Missouri football. Hi. Hello. How you been? We missed you. Glad to be back. BK, how you been, man? I'm doing well. Um, it is good to see Mizzou back in action this weekend. It's a more interesting game than I wanted it to be, frankly, but we can get into that a little later on in the show. Um, it's good to be here with you. Yeah. And as a reminder, BK will be on a, an extended vacation. I didn't improve this PTO, but you know he's going anyway. Uh, so he will not be on the post-game Vanderbilt show or next week's midweek show. We will get some guest hosts in there. So this is the last time you hear the Golden Pipes with BK for about you know, 10, 11, 12 days. But he'll be back uh, talking about whatever the heck happened. Uh, so we'll jam as much in here as we possibly can and pick his brain on as much stuff as we can. Let's start off with a piece of news that's actually old. Uh, just you get caught up in the season and things kind of slip through the cracks. Have you ever forgotten something? I have. We want to talk about Missouri and Memphis playing in St. Louis. Remember when the schedule was released, the 2023 schedule was, was released a couple weeks ago, there was a TBD on the location for Missouri and Memphis playing each other. About a week after that schedule came out, they decided to play it in St. Louis, uh, where the Rams used to play in the dome there, which is actually kind of cool. This is also where Missouri and Illinois played for, for bragging rights for uh, like five years during the golden age of Gary Pinkle, Chase Daniel, Blaine Gabbert, all that sort of stuff. So it's nice that Missouri gets back into St. Louis, especially since this is a recruiting uh, hotspot that they've been hitting for the past couple of years. It'll be nice to see the Tigers on the east side of the state. It'll be nice to get them back. Uh, I think it's in the America Center. Uh, you would wish that the, pro the program they would be playing would be Illinois. 
although Illinois is really good right now. Uh, but you get Memphis, and Memphis is cool. Uh, so, BK, what were your first thoughts when you heard that this was a possibility? And then what do you think now that it's official? I think it's really cool. Um, I'm glad to see them back in St. Louis, and I'm glad to see that they're, they're doing this against Memphis. I think it's a cool matchup. Now, Memphis is down, which makes it even better because it means the likelihood is that Missouri should it hopefully will win that game. But I think it's awesome, man. I don't think that the Dome is like this. And listen, I'm, I live in St. Louis. This is now my adopted hometown. The Dome is nobody's belief of being a like sixth world wonder of the world. But it's it's a fine place to watch a football game. It'll be cool that they're playing in St. Louis. So that's a big thing here. I'm happy to see that they've decided to do this. I do think that Desiree Reed Francois, I will give her credit in this. She has done some things that are outside of the box. Now, this isn't necessarily something that like completely rewrote, rewrote the script. We've seen this before. Um, but between bringing this game to St. Louis, having the Mizzou KU game back on this uh, schedule, Mizzou Illinois back on the schedule later on in like, what is it, 2026 or something like that is the first year that they're playing that series again. Um, the night that they did on the quad for the basketball program, uh, getting the Thursday night football game to start out the season, continuing to do the Friday game after uh, on Black Friday. I just think all of those things to kind of put Mizzou back on the map. Those are those are important things that you see. And I'm happy to see that they're doing this next year. And not only is it is the effort there, but the execution is, too. Yeah, I believe it was Memphis's AD who said that. I'm not going to quote it directly, but something along the lines of it was made abundantly clear that if we wanted this game, we had to play it in St. Louis, which is, you know, that sucks for you if you if you're Memphis and you wanted it in your house. But this is this is power five football. You know, Desiree is coming in and saying, absolutely not. We get our way because we're paying you uh, and they are going to be compensated. Well, very well. Apparently, there's going to be an extra uh, extra bag that's going to be loaded up in their in their Brinks truck to to get the benefit of playing this game in St. Louis. So, you know, you can cry all the way to the bank. Desiree is doing exactly what she needs to do to get this program out there, to get people connected, to get as many eyeballs as you possibly can on the team and be creative in doing that. It's not something that you've seen from the athletic department, you know, kind of in the mid, uh, mid 2000s, 2010s. It was very stagnant, very kind of run in the mill. This is what we do and we're going to continue to do it this way. And so being creative and having fun things like this, this is awesome. So I, I will give credit to her and, and the entire athletic department for doing everything that you highlighted. Stepping back and hearing that, BK, it's, it is actually very interesting what they've been doing. And I'm not saying that I'm you know, either down or proud of, of an athletic department. There are moments where I'm like, eh, I wish you'd do more. But when she was hired, we kind of said that you need to make you need to make Missouri be more of an outreach, get more people involved and be creative. And man, so far she has, she has done exactly that pretty much since she stepped into the main chair. Yeah. And like, she also put that pressure upon herself because she said that's what she was hired to do. Right. And so between those two things and Moon Choi also kind of spelled it out whenever he announced <laughs> that she was going to be sure. the next athletic director. When you do that, you have to be able to follow through because you have set the expectations for yourself. People will take your words in your opening press conference and then whatever you say there afterwards, and they'll say, okay, this is this is what we're judging you upon. Like if Eli Drinkwitz came in and said, hey, we're going to be this great recruiting staff. We're going to be a, a staff that comes in and brings in a bunch of four and five star recruits. It's like, okay, well, then that's what we're going to hold you to. 
Meanwhile, like at Illinois, the program that you mentioned is actually playing well right now. Like that's that's not what Brett Bielema says he's going to do. He comes in and he says, we're going to run the football. We're going to play good defense. and We're going to win a bunch of games. Well, guess what? That's what he is being judged upon. And to his credit, he's done that at Illinois. So it, whatever you say you're going to do, that's what I'm going to judge you on. And this athletic department, credit where it is due, they have followed through in the things that they said that they were going to do. So I'll be there. Uh, like you, I live in St. Louis, and it's not that far away. Again, anything in St. Louis is 15 minutes from wherever you currently are, yeah. so it's very easy to get to. Uh, I, I'll be there. I'll probably take the kids and stick around for 10 minutes before they get bored, but it's nice to have that back. Uh, I remember when I was in, in school, and especially in band tra- making these these trips to go see Illinois, yeah, it kicked off the season, so it was always very exciting, but there was just an extra oomph behind it because you had a familiar opponent. You're in a different place. It was it was just very cool, and it's 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 a nice experience. So uh, very excited about that. Very excited to see that there's going to be a game there and looking forward to continuing to see Missouri kind of on the road, whether it's in Kansas City and Arrowhead or St. Louis and the Dome. Like Just just get out there and get crazy, man. Like That's that's what we're looking for, and that's what they need to do. So back to the uh, the team at hand, the one that we are following right now. Let's talk some practice because that's all they've been doing. Last week we mentioned that Eli Drinkwood said in his press conference that the, the youth had kind of taken over practice and they were seeing what they had with their younger guys getting rotations with the ones and, and taking snaps against each other and against the, the starters as well. We heard a little bit more about what the outcomes of that was. Not certainly any like specific stat lines or anything like that. More, more impressions, more things that Eli Drinkwitz noticed. And whether these things actually happened or he's just saying it as lip service to the fans, I don't care. Uh, it's nice to hear uh, some of these names. So a big one was that uh, freshman defensive end, uh, the blue chipper out of Boonville, DJ Wesselak, has moved to linebacker. Uh, now, he's always been kind of a tweener guy, not the biggest dude. He could get away with that in high school, being more of a pass rushing weak side defensive end. Not really the size to do that in the in college football, especially in the SEC. He's very much kind of an outside linebacker type, the pure pass rusher, edge rusher that you'd see in a 3-4 or in a specific package where he could rush the quarterback on passing downs. But regardless, currently he is hanging out with the linebackers, taking reps there. Uh, made a pretty good impression in that position there. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz also mentioned by name Marquise Graciel and Jalen Marshall, the freshman defensive tackles, the interior defensive linemen. He said that they made an impact. Isaac Thompson, the guy who had his leg blown apart last year, apparently had an interception, made a good impact in the safety core. And so it, you, you don't see it on the field. And Eli Drinkwitz has always said, you earn your playing time on the field with your playing time in practice. So, BK, do you make anything of this or is it kind of TBD? It's TBD. It's like what I said with uh, Desiree Reed Francois. I will judge you based on your actions, not your words. And it, your your words will base my judgment of your actions. He's saying that Sam Horn and Marquise Gracial and Jalen Marshall, Isaac Thompson, DJ Wesselak, all these guys are playing well in practice. All right, cool. You said that to be able to play in the games, you got to play well in practice. Now you've told me that they're playing well in practice. Now let's see them play in the games. Like that's that is what the next logical step is in this process. And I want to see them on the field. That doesn't mean they need to be playing every snap. Like I think that's an important clarification here is if DJ Wesselak comes out and he plays 
10 snaps or five snaps in the next game. And then in some of the games down the stretch, especially against like New Mexico State, he ends up playing 15 snaps in that one. Or the same thing could be true for like a, maybe it's even easier for like a Marquise Grayshall or a Jalen Marshall, Isaac Thompson, those guys. It, it, that's that's fine. I, I don't have an issue with that. I just want them to get experience because you don't get better by just standing on the sideline during these games. The speed of the game in the SEC is crazy fast. The guys are incredibly strong. And when you are out there, you can feel that. It is different in practice than it is in the game. And oh, by the way, some guys are just better at playing the games than they are in practice. And you can't find that out unless you let them go out there and play. Like Makai Miller, that's a big time spot where he had those two catches on Saturday against uh, Florida. Mm-hmm. You you don't get to feel that in a practice. There's no way to be able to recreate that situation of being in the swamp, game on the line, you need it now, and you've got to go to your guy. And Makai Miller comes through. There's no way to recreate that. And now we know he can do it. He's got that capability. It doesn't mean he's going to do it every time, but we know that he has in the past. So without doing that against Vandy or South Carolina, New Mexico State, Arkansas, there's no way to know. And that's why we want to see these guys on the field. Not every snap, but get them into a rotation. Yeah. Eli also mentioned Johnny Walker Jr., who I've, for a long time, I've, I have long pined to see him more. Wasn't he pretty good rotation. last year? Am I misremembering that? My dude, Johnny Walker Jr. last year took 124 snaps. He had two sacks in 124 sa- uh, snaps. Like, it, it was over seven games. But when he was on the field, he made an impact. He also had another two tackles for loss, six tackles total. He makes an impact. And not only that, the 11 snaps that he's had this year, he already has half a sack and one tackle. 11 snaps. Like, I don't know what, again, he is the worst practice player in the world because I don't know how he doesn't get on the field. But Johnny Walker Jr. is awesome. And he apparently he's, he's done a, a good job in practice again, which doesn't mean much apparently if, if he doesn't see the field. But... There's a lot of intriguing talent on here, man. They just need to find their way on the field, like you said. I want to see some of these guys get more opportunities. Johnny Walker Jr. is one of them. Like, God, last year, I I remember talking about him and being like, this guy seems to make plays. Like, he he's productive with his pass rush, and he, he wins coming off of the edge. Like, last year, he was at uh, Pro Football Focus does a stat called uh, um, your pass rush win rate. And last year on the season, let me find out where he was. Johnny Walker Jr. was at 20%. For context, Trajan Jeffcoat was at 16%. Darius Robinson at 15%. Chris Turner, your boy, at 13%. (laughs) Kobe Whiteside at 18%. Or excuse me, at 8%. Like, Uh, he he was up there with some of their better edge rushers. And this year, he just hasn't been able to see the field. It's weird. Chris Turner. I love you, buddy. Hope you're doing well. It's your boy. The other kind of interesting news item uh, involves our illustrious secondary, specifically the cornerbacks. Keep in mind, currently, you know, as of today, October 18th, Missouri. Hey, before we move on, yes. Can I give you one more? I would love to hear one more on a pass rush win rate win rate from this year. Uh huh. Um. So DJ Coleman's at six percent. You are worse than an interior defensive lineman. 
That's not great. His, his pass rush production has been less than ideal. But yeah, okay, we can move on. Sorry, uh, just wanted to throw that out there. DJ, buddy. Jaden Jern again also struggling from the interior. I think you've mentioned yeah, that a couple of times I don't, that you I haven't really noticed. what's going on there. That makes me sad. Um, Siren Hopper, it's going to surprise you, but he wins at a 60% rate. <laughs> well, that's why you send him, because he's really good. What else is really right, good is apologies. that uh, Tiger Secondary, <laughs> which ranks 20th against the, the pass. And uh, little did you know, little did any of us know, that Missouri's been operating uh, with a less than full strength cornerback room. Apparently, we have uh, LJ Hewitt, the JUCO transfer from Holmes County, and Davian Sistrunk, the redshirt freshman out of uh, Florida. They're suspended from the team and have been for a while. Had no idea. Now, I knew I didn't see them on the field. We all <laughs> noticed the absence of number 20 and number 34. Haven't really seen them much. Uh, Davian Sistrunk has seen seven snaps over the last two years, all of that in one game. LJ Hewitt saw three snaps against Louisiana Tech. But they have been suspended and apparently are continued to be suspended. Uh, DJ Jackson was injured. Apparently, he is back with the team now. He can, he can practice again. But BK, I mean, this this secondary has been really good now. The secondary also includes safeties, which they're awesome. Most of the ones that we have are awesome. But still, Chris Abrams' dream, Ennis Rakestraw, Drayden Norwood, on their own, have got, helped contribute to this 20% uh, – or sorry, 20th ranked uh, pass defense. And 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 they're down two guys who were, we thought were going to be in the rotation. I feel really good about that. Also – <laughs> we need more corners <laughs> it's like that makes me a little bit nervous but hey it's, it's been rocking so far so uh yeah keep up the good work guys yeah kudos to them for being able to make this work while they've been without a lot of these guys and let's be oh, let's be honest most of these guys weren't really getting snaps anyways the one guy that was getting a little bit more product more uh more snap counts than the others uh, was dj jackson and we don't really know the situation there D dave matter reported earlier today um, the phrasing was interesting on it. He said, let me get the exact phrasing. Uh, Dave Ancestrunk and LJ Hewitt are still suspended. They haven't seen the field this year. DJ Jackson is back with the team. He was, quote, out of the mix for a few weeks, end quote. Uh, Gabe DeArmond also said that he believes that he was suspended. So I don't know exactly what it was. I wouldn't make too much of it. But just worth noting that they've been without those guys for a while. And my guess is they probably won't really see the field the rest of the season anyways. But yeah, you've got a pretty good group of five or four when it comes to Chris Abrams, Strain, Rake Straw, Norwood, and Clark. Those four have been playing at a really high level so far this year. I mean, at least relative to expectations. And I will give them full credit because I didn't know what they were going to have. Like Norwood was a complete unknown. This is a guy that played on the other side of the football, went to Texas A&M, never really saw the field. And you're like, okay, so it's an upside play and I understand it. But are you really counting on him to play big time snaps for you? It's risky. Uh, Rake Straw's coming off of a serious injury. Chris Abrams' strain was really good last year, but can he put that together on tape once again when people now have a year of tape on him? And Clark is a guy that, like, we just didn't know what to expect out of him when he was coming literally straight from Miami in fall camp and is like, hey, I'm here. I'm ready to go. And the NCAA said, okay, cool. Yeah, go play football. All right, cool. Awesome. He's ready to go. So the unit has stepped up very well. And so far this year, I mean, we've talked about this a million different times. The defense is not their problem. They've they've been pretty darn good. It's really not. And you got the the transfers on the defensive line to thank for that. Not all of them had hit have hit every single game, but 
the sum of the parts <laughs> is not the greater the the whole is better than the sum of the parts, right? And and everybody has stepped up at some point, and that that's part of the benefit of having a very deep rotation of defensive linemen. So that has certainly shorn up the run game. It's helped create well opportunities for some in the pass rushing department. Missouri is not the best team at getting a second the quarterback, but they are pretty good at creating pressure. Mm-hmm. And on to top it all off, you have a secondary who's pretty sticky, uh, limits the big plays for the most part, and eliminates the easy stuff for the most part. And again, there's three safeties and two corners who are part of that, and they've been doing a really good job. I think Ennis Rakestraw is the really the biggest surprise for me from the secondary. I remember last year we were uh, less than impressed with some of the efforts that he had, with some of the production that he had, and then he got injured. Boy, he came back from that injury, and outside of a couple glitches here and there, I do think he is kind of their number one corner. Uh, no disrespect to Chris Abrams' drain. I think Ennis, Ennis is, is the better corner at this point, and I think Chris is still very good. And, you know, I just I don't think he's going to jump early to the NFL or anything, but, man, it's it's we've talked time and time again about how Missouri has done such a good job historically of finding a quarterback, finding a defensive line, finding ends, and then occasionally putting together offensive linemen. Having elite secondary is kind of that last piece where you put together a, a competitive football team that can win conference championships, and Missouri just usually has not had that. And we've had a really good string here, and I'm just very impressed with what they've done, and hopefully we can keep that uh, keep the talent pipeline going here. Yeah, Rakestraw has basically become the player that they expected him to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, is he perfect? No, he'll give up some big plays, but that happens. That's welcome to playing the position of cornerback at the SEC level, like especially against Tennessee here in a few weeks. Uh, good luck, my good friends, because even Alabama gets cooked by those mm-hmm. wide receivers. There is no shame in getting beat over the top in that game in particular. Probably going to be a few plays against South Carolina or Arkansas where it doesn't look great either. But on the whole... It's been pretty darn good for that group so far this year, and they do. I, I think you're right, Nate, that they, they've got a legit number one, at least college corner in Ennis Rakestraw right now, and they've got a slot corner that they can trust, which is a huge thing with the way that the game is played nowadays and Chris Abrams trained. So uh, that group has lived up to almost every expectation you could have had. Absolutely. And they're still young. That's the best part. <laughs> not, not a single one of them is over a sophomore designation. Now, I think there's one redshirt in there, but... They, if they want to, they got a lot of time to play. So that's really cool. And, of course, you also have Nick Deloach and Shamar McNeil who are slated to come in. So this this group will stay young, but that's okay, especially if you can produce like this, if you can create kind of a little bit more of a rotation and, and have that reliable one and two and then work in some young guys like over the years. That's great. That's, that's awesome, and that's something that Missouri's been missing, and it's nice to have. <laughs> now please pair it with an elite pass rush. Please please can we have both at the same time uh so yeah that's kind of the, the update from the bye week the the practices from the bye week just news and general rumblings coming out of the team they are playing a football game this saturday they are playing vanderbilt and it just bk why does it always feel like when missouri plays vanderbilt it is both teams only slash last chance at a conference win. Why does it always yeah. feel like that the past couple of years? Well, I don't know that it's the only chance for Mizzou. I I definitely don't think it's the last. I think they can beat South Carolina. I think they can beat Arkansas. I would not pick them to beat either of those teams, but I do think they can do it. 
Uh, I I would say it's it's probably the last hope for Vanderbilt, though. Um, and they are, what is it, 0-24 since mm-hmm. their last SEC win, which, by the way, did come against Missouri, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And then later on that season, uh, Barry Odom was shown the door, at least in part because of that win. The thing is, this Vanderbilt team isn't awful. Now, I want to be very clear. They are not good. This is a team Missouri should beat. They should beat Vanderbilt by, you would hope, by two scores. But, I mean, realistically speaking, let's say 10 points. But, man, their defense stinks. Their offense basically plays keep away. Where it, it almost reminds me of like a old school Kansas City Chiefs offense when they had Alex Smith as their quarterback. And what I mean by that is they're not going to be out here throwing the ball all over the yard. But they're going to get their four yards of carry. Their quarterback is a true freshman who does not play like a true freshman. He is going to complete these passes. He's going to take his seven yards per attempt. He's not going to get sacked a lot. He's not going to give you the football. He has yet to throw an interception so far this year. And he's going to say, all right, at the end of the day, I'm going to be fine. Nothing more, nothing less, but I'm going to be fine. And man, that's what makes me nervous about this game. Is that if... If this ends up being like a 17 to 13 game, oh boy, <laughs> I'm a little worried about the potential of a bad turnover for Mizzou at the exact wrong time and Vanderbilt just just doing enough offensively to be able to either keep it close or potentially come out with a win. I, I am more nervous about this game than I wanted to be going into it. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. That, the, the fact that they are merely bad rather than historically mm-hmm. awful is an improvement. Remember, this is this is the worst Power 5 team ever in SP Plus history last year. So this is it incredible lows. The fact that they currently rank... Uh, 93rd in SP plus is a huge improvement. They're still not good. Now they've won three games. So credit to them for that. Who do they beat? Well, BK, they beat Hawaii in Hawaii on the road, which is great. They beat them 6310. Uh Hawaii is the fourth worst team in the country. They beat an FCS team called Elon. Elon? Ellen? Elon. Whatever. <laughs> beat them 4231. Gave up 31, by the way. Just FYI to an FCS team. They didn't turn around, lost to a, D, a very good Wake Forest team, 25-45. They beat a very bad Northern Illinois team that's currently 104th in the country. They beat them by 10, 
And then you get to the SEC schedule, and then it's 55-3, 52-28, 55 I think there is some context, though, that is important here. That Ole Miss game, they killed the tight for the first half. That they Wake did. Forest game, they played all right for a little while. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, it was 21-10 to 10 at halftime. That's that's at least a competitive football game, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think there's a little something, so a little more bite to this Vanderbilt's team than what a lot of people are going to give them credit for. And this is not me saying like any given Saturday, but Missouri's offense has shown us nothing to suggest that they can pull away from teams the way that Alabama, Ole Miss, Georgia, or Wake Forest can. That that is my concern. Is that it's it? This is a game of weakness against weakness and strength against strength. Because Vanderbilt's offense is their strength, and they're going up against Missouri's defense, which, of course, is Mizzou's strength. But then their defense, can Mizzou actually take advantage of it? I, I think this is one of those games where, like, do we do we know an update on Dominic Lovett? Have you seen anything on him? I haven't heard anything. Because if Lovett is back in ready to go, like, at full strength or something approaching it this week... That's that's a big difference for Mizzou. I know he was able to play a little bit against Florida. I don't think he was anywhere close to 100%. He was mostly playing, especially in the first half, on like third down situations where they really needed him, and he came through on a bunch of them. But if he's able to come up with some big plays in this game, that that changes things significantly. But if he's out and you're having to like plod the ball down the field, man, if you have a couple of turnovers, this thing can get away from you a little quicker than what you were expecting it to. Not in terms of Vandy like totally outscoring you, but it could be closer later than what you expect it to be. The fans turn against you. There's some booing that takes place. It becomes a weird game, and suddenly you're down 17-13 late in a game. You need Brady Cook to drive for you, and he doesn't do it. Like That's that's yeah. a realistic outcome yeah. in this football game. It is. I mean, Vanderbilt's offense is, I think, keep away is the best way of describing it because they will just happily run into the defensive line for two or three yards over and over and over again and hope hope one of them breaks, and that's cool. And then they'll throw on passing downs (laughs) and hope one hits and connects big time. Does that sound like an offense, you know? Uh, Just, you know, just waiting waiting for that big play. Come around the corner and The difference is that they don't really get them. And against Ole Miss? (laughs) Mizzou gets them occasionally. They don't, don't, except for (laughs) Ole Miss. Ole Miss, they connected. And that was that's what happens when you can hit your big plays uh, and stop the other team from hitting too many. So, yes, there is there is context, and they did hang around, but there is additional context, which is they did something that Touché. they normally didn't do all that often. Uh, you also saw it against Hawaii, but Hawaii you know, had like eight scholarship players coming into this year, so that doesn't really count. The thing about Vanderbilt is that no, so far, A.J. Swan, their their freshman quarterback, is not going to throw an interception. He has gotten close. There are a couple that should have been picked and weren't. Okay. But they move very slow. One of the bottom 20 teams as far as adjusted pace goes. They mostly, do, like I said, they run on standard downs. They throw on passing downs. It's not overly complicated. The difference is that Swan is fairly accurate, 60% completion rate, and he gets the ball to kind of, you know, that mid, uh, the mid routes. So he's averaging like 7.7 adjusted net yards per attempt, which is much better than what pretty cooks currently doing. And he's only been sacked about four, almost 5% of the time. So the offensive line's actually pretty good. They can stop pressure. They can use, they can open up a few holes here and there. And they're just very content to, to do that. Just hold on to the ball, play, keep away and hope the big plays hit. 
Now, Missouri's defense is very good. Not Alabama good, not Georgia good, okay? Not even really Ole Miss good, not yet. But they are some. They are a team, and we've seen it, that blows you up if you try to play the efficiency game. You want to take two or three yards? No, no, they shove your nose in it. They'll give up some big plays, though. And that's really the thing that makes me nervous. Because if Vanderbilt is only waiting for those big plays, and Missouri is prone to give them, usually on the ground, that's where you start seeing some some bad, interesting football for, for if you're a Missouri fan. And really, BK, it's it's do they connect on the big plays? If they don't, there's no chance. But this defense occasionally lets them, and that's that's the thing that's going to make me sweat. It, Swan's time to throw is really, really, really fast. We talked about this recently with um, Anthony Richardson and how slow he is at getting rid of the football because he's scrambling behind the line all day long, and he's at three and a half seconds almost in terms of his time to throw. AJ Swan's at 2.3. It's the quickest time to throw in the SEC so far this season. The reason why I bring that up is because a lot of Missouri's pressure that they have been able to build this season has come through blitzes. And some of those are creative designs that take a little bit of time to develop. If you're not able to get home quickly with four, you're probably just not getting home very often in this game against Swan. And if you're not creating those havoc plays that we've talked so much about, well, then now is Vanderbilt able to move the ball a little bit better than you would expect them to coming in? Where, yeah, against Georgia or Alabama, they they weren't able to create as many explosives because those teams can get home uh, with their front four. They can create some pressure with those guys up front. Even Ole Miss has, has a defensive line that, that can do some of that stuff. I, I'm very curious to see what that looks like against Missouri's defensive line, which all the credit that we've given them, and they deserve a lot of it, they don't get home quickly. They're, they're more of a slow push to the push the pocket into the quarterback type of a pass rush. So I'm, I'm curious to see what this looks like with the pass rush on Saturday. Yeah. And on the flip side, you know, Vanderbilt's defense is, is easily the worst unit of the bunch. They just, it's, it's real. What bad. do you want to do? Do you want to run? Do you want to run for efficiency? Knock yourself out. Do you want to hit on big plays on the ground? Do it. You want to have a nice completion percentage? You can do that. You want to hit a big play through the air? Okay. They'll be happy to allow you to do that. They just, they're not good at anything. Now, that has not stopped defenses from the past from having career days against Missouri's offense. Like, I understand that. I was about to say, like, Florida Florida is, was the same thing, right? You can do a little bit of anything against yes. Florida. And we saw that last week. When Mizzou was off, I was able to watch yes. some of that LSU versus Florida game. And LSU did whatever they wanted against that defense. They and the week prior, Mizzou scored 17 yeah. against them. Like this, that that is that yeah. is the frustrate frustrating part about all of this. I mean, Auburn, Auburn's defense ain't great. They're fine, but they're not great. And they held Mizzou to 14 points in overtime. So that's mm -hmm. that's where it does get a little tricky for me. Is when we talk about these defenses that are awful, is Missouri's offense capable of taking advantage of that? They should be. They absolutely should be. Are they? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Florida's defense was in the 70s, so like it was bad, but they there were a couple situational things they did well. Vanderbilt Touché. didn't even have that. This is this is the worst defense Missouri has seen since Louisiana Tech because yes, Abilene Christian's defense is actually better than <laughs> Vanderbilt's and Louisiana Tech's defense. So keep that in mind. I if you want to see this offense at peak performance, this has to be the game where you see that. 
If you do not, the machine is uh, almost uh, the machine is screwed, <laughs> uh, and you you there is something wrong here, and I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I'm not saying that means you're going to lose the game, uh, far from it. But if you can't score, uh, you're going to have some problems. And and this defense, this Vanderbilt defense, will let you do anything. Literally, they are the second worst defense and allowing points per scoring opportunity at nearly five Oof. points per scoring opportunity. If Missouri can't finish its three drives against this team, they're just never going to do it. Okay. So this, this should be a breath of fresh air from this offense. And if it's not okay, then they're and just they bad. have a bye week really, to prepare. Like <laughs> and they had a bye week to prepare. I understand that, but really, at the end of the day, BK, at the end of the day, the only thing you have to do is be at least one yeah. point better because you cannot lose this game. I don't say that about a lot of games for especially for Missouri, but you cannot lose this one. It got the last guy fired. And if you're trying to have any semblance of momentum or program building, you can't lose this one, Eli. You just can't. I'm with you. This is the one they cannot lose. And it's the you can kind of feel the voices growing louder as KU their their quarterbacks hurt now, so it's a little bit of a different conversation. But they've they've had a renaissance this year where it's like, hey, that, that team has some some clear there there are strides that are being taken as a program, not just as a team. There is some momentum there now. K-State clearly has some momentum with it as a program. Illinois might legitimately win the Big Ten West this year. Their only loss on the season is a strange, strange one. Um, against Indiana and our old friend Connor Bazelak, who actually played really well in that game and has basically been terrible ever since. Um, <laughs> but like e- every state around Mizzou that hired a coach at a similar time or later than Eli Drinkwitz was hired at Missouri seems to be further along in their trajectory than Missouri is in its trajectory. And so that's why a game like this is so important is because if you lose... Then suddenly those voices not only say, hey, why aren't you as far along as these other teams are? They then say, not only are you not as far as those other teams are, now you're losing traction to Vanderbilt. And that's when any conversation you want to have about Mizzou, I'm willing to have it at that point. We have brushed against all of it all season long. I think fairly. I think justifiably so. If they lose to Vanderbilt, that conversation will be very, very different come Saturday night or when I return uh, after the South Carolina game. Yeah. So, so don't lose. Uh, no pressure, Eli. <laughs> no pressure. I mean, I, I'll, I'll be frank and, and this will be probably the kiss of death. I'm not, I don't think Missouri is going to lose. I don't think it's going to be some massive blowout where you get to celebrate at halftime. I think it'll be nip tuck. It's going to be close. Because every Missouri game is close because that's how they play. But I, I do think Missouri is the better team, and I think they will win. Don't ask me for the score or the spread or anything like that. I just, I'm just i just going to tell you, I think they win. If that doesn't happen, like you said, let's hear, let's have the conversation. If you think it's going to be close, thing. you probably think that table. Vanderbilt's covering the spread, which I agree with. It's a 14-point spread, which is just lunacy. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. I, I, I like yes. Mizzou to win. I've got a 31-20. I, I think that Vanderbilt does cover the spread. I think it goes slightly under in the point total. Um, it, I think it has a chance to be a, a super ugly game and you're going to feel dirty mm-hmm. for having watched it, but it's, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's a football game that we get to watch Mizzou in and we only get potentially 12 of those this year. So in, enjoy it and embrace mm-hmm. the opportunity. But I, I don't think that they will lose. 
I just think that there are paths to them losing that make me nervous. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. I, I yeah. don't want there to be paths for Vanderbilt to beat Missouri at this point in both of their builds. And unfortunately, there there do seem to be some, although limited. Yeah, I mean, hey, Clark Lay <laughs> insists on playing his old guys, too. Now, now, not a quarterback and their slot receiver is a younger guy, too, but he's. He's rocking with Mason's boys still. So there, there's another coach who's actually done a pretty good job of improving recruiting, but has yet to really play a lot of them other than their quarterbacks. So, you know, that's kind of what it is what it is, especially at Vanderbilt. You have a very, very long leash to do whatever you got to do to start getting the six wins. So I do think he's on the right path. I'll be curious to see what that means in an SEC with an up Tennessee and an up Georgia rather than James Franklin, who was doing that in a down the SEC with a down Tennessee, down Georgia, down Florida, for, for Christ's sake. But, like, you know, it's – I think he's the right hire. I think he's going to do well, but it's going to be tough to see that, uh, especially when you're Vanderbilt in this kind of SEC. So, really, I don't think it's the point now where you say, well, it's okay to lose to Vanderbilt. No, we're not there yet. But I do think that's around the corner, and it's – it's very important for Missouri to not be in yeah. that position if they want to make any kind of traction in the SEC because regardless of how good Vanderbilt is or isn't, it just never looks good losing to them. So please I hate don't to say that. this. I mean, I, I don't want this to be the case, but it's kind of like when Mizzou was beating all those coaches down the stretch in what year was that, like 2018, and they all fired their coaches afterwards because they were yeah. like, oh, yeah. we can't lose to Missouri. That's how it is when your team loses against uh, – against Vandy like you you lose to them and you're like this is a problem we can't be at that level we cannot be below Vanderbilt and that's that's how I feel about Missouri they, they should never stoop that low uh, certainly not this year so go win go go win Eli Drinkwitz go go get yourself a 34 point effort yeah. uh, beat beat Vanderbilt make everybody feel good and then give them a reason to believe that Missouri is going to be able to find a way to upset South Carolina on the road yeah, give us yeah, yeah. Give us reasons to believe. Yeah, I'm with you. So this this is it for BK. You are gone for the next handful of shows. Hope you have a great trip. Is there any uh, parting wisdom that you'd like to implant upon our listenership as they go through this gauntlet without BK's um, huh. measured words of wisdom to guide them through the darkness? Just win. <laughs> I just so badly need them to win this game on Saturday. I am I'm very happy that I'm not going to be here for post game. I'm going to be totally honest with you, Nate. And this is this is no shot against our our dear listeners, but I, I if this is a close game, it, it's going to be very frustrating for anybody who spent the past three three and a half hours of watching it. And my my hope is that they will find a way to not keep this one close. So go win and hopefully win again against South Carolina. And I'll be back for the postgame show for that one. That's the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. You can leave a comment or you can rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate G. Edwards. He's at BK Sports Talk. And, of course, you can follow the Rockin' Flagship at Rockin' Nation. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, MIZ. Yeah.